0: This morning's first reading comes from Paul's epistle, epistle to the Romans. It's chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. If you want to follow it in the Church Bible, it's on page 1132. Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 1. And it's all about being dead to sin, but alive in Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Well, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, but under grace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: John chapter 3, verses 22 to uh, verse 36, and is on page 1066 of the Church Bibles. John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptised. Now John also was baptising at Enon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptised, this being before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, Well, he is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and is and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Since Easter, we've been following a sermon theme based on the basics of our faith in God through Jesus Christ. At first, we focused on the cross. We then continued with looking at what Jesus meant when he told Nicodemus, You must be born again. This led on to how we can enjoy the assurance of our salvation. Then we were taught how we can listen to God, especially as we read his word. One of Mike's ten good reasons for um, reading the word of God when he was preaching that sermon was, with our Bibles, the study forms in us holiness. That's our subject for this morning. I'd like you to tell Mike after the service what his other nine good reasons were for uh, reading the Bible. Last Sunday we continued with the teaching, explaining how the Holy Spirit is significant in every part of our lives, how the power of the Spirit is absolutely crucial to our living as Christian Christians. Again, we were told that holiness is a life like Jesus. Next Sunday sees the last in this series interceding and active, especially in mission. So this morning we look at pursuing holiness. If you're anything like me, you don't know much about holiness, true holiness, And because of this and the utter inadequacy of the preacher this morning, I'm going to use a huge amount of Scripture turning from book to book with quotations, which I hope will come up on the screens behind me. And if anyone wants a list of those Scriptures, I've got them written down on a separate piece of paper, uh, which I can give you as, as we leave. Hebrews 12, verse 14 says, Without holiness, no man shall see God. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your holy word, help us to remember that, yes, we are sinners, but you are holy and require us to be holy Teach us something of yourself this morning, please, we pray. For your holy namesake. Amen. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I was going to do one of my naughty tricks and ask everybody to put up their hand. I won't do it, it's all right. Put up their hand. If one day you think you're going to heaven, you're going to see the Lord. No, 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 don't do it. (laughs) And then I was going to ask you to stay, put your hand up, if you are holy. And I think many of us might have put our hands down at that point. Shall we see the Lord? Are we holy? The question concerns every person. Everyone in church, some are rich, some are poor, some are academically brilliant, where others, like me, are a bit thick. Some are leaders or employers, others are workers and employees. Some of us, like me, are retired. But there is no single person who does not come under this scripture Are we holy? Four things. The meaning of true holiness, the importance of true holiness. Am I holy? Are you holy? How can I be holy so that one day I may see the Lord? The meaning of true holiness. First, we try to learn from the Bible that true holiness, what it is, what sort of people are those whom God calls holy? A man may go to any lengths in religion and yet never reach holiness. True holiness is, holiness is not knowledge. The religious leaders of Jesus' day had plenty of that knowledge. And in Matthew chapter 23, we read seven woes. Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees! You hypocrites! And it's so easy to stand here and be a hypocrite. It's not a great profession. Judas Judas Iscariot had that. He was with the twelve, with Jesus, for three years. He was not holy. It's not doing many things. Herod was like that. He even built a temple. It's not enthusiasm for certain matters in Christianity. Peter had that. Matthew chapter 16, Simon Peter answered, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well done, Peter great. Don't read on the next few verses that are a bit disappointing. It's not morality and outward respectability of conduct. The rich young ruler who came to Jesus had that, and Jesus himself said so. Mark 10, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord gave him a whole list of the commandments, not all the ten, but some of them. All these I've kept my use up. Jesus didn't deny that. He looked into his heart, and, and he loved him. But he wasn't holy. It's not keeping company with godly people. Demas had done that but was referred to by the Apostle Paul as a deserter. For in 2 Timothy 4, he says, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. It's the experience of every pastor, of those who give up on the Christian life, who desert Jesus. The pain of that is often intolerable. Demas was one of those. Yet none of these I've just mentioned were holy people. These things alone are not holiness. A man may have any one of them and yet not see the Lord on that day. Holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God. Philippians two, Paul said, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. How often is my attitude like that of Christ Jesus? As Mike said last week, holiness is a life like Jesus. Have you got that? Holiness is a life like Jesus. A holy man will endeavor to shun every known sin and to keep every known commandment. When Peter was writing his epistle, referring back to the Old Testament, to the book of Leviticus, he said this, "'Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed.'" As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy. So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. That comes through the book of Leviticus again and again and again. Be holy because I am holy, said the Lord Another way of saying, a holy man will strive to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. Wendy and I went to a big thriving church like this while I was still flying British Airways. There were about four or five hundred members, with about 40 doing everything. And a new vicar came. His name was Brian Morley. And within less than a year, Brian Morley had stopped all the home groups. And totally reorganized them so that everybody went to one that was in his geographical area, not the one he had used to be going to, which was right over the other side of town, perhaps. Initially, most of us were pretty sort of, oh, I don't like this. I like the old home group that I used to be with, they used to understand me and put up with my sins, perhaps. But within a short space of time, that church was growing because of a new love of Christians that was coming in. People they hadn't spoken to. I wonder how many people over there have spoken to people over here in the last month. You who always sit over there. Wendy and I always sit there, so I'm just as guilty. (laughs) But it is true, isn't it? A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Another way of saying exactly what Mike said last week. A holy man will follow after meekness, patience, gentleness, patience, kind tempers, and government of his tongue. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no law. A holy man will follow after love and brotherly kindness, as Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Do you know, it's so easy, isn't it? Well, perhaps you find it difficult. I hope you do. But it's so easy to find faults and sins in other people. Do you know, so oh no, I won't say that. It's all right. But aren't we like that so often? A holy man will follow after purity of heart. Jesus said amongst the... Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Does that hurt you? I tell you, it hurt me when I was a pilot of British Airways. Again and again, flying off to exotic places in fabulously opulent hotels, staying overnight. And some of the girls who were on our cruise were out to get a pilot. I found, I found that so difficult. I adopted two or three habits. One was to fiddle permanently with my wedding ring. No man wants to get into bed with a girl holding up and fiddling with his wedding ring. The second thing, I used to talk about Wendy, and the third thing was... I told Wendy when I got back home who I'd been with on the crew and so on. And but for the grace of God I would have gone. Let us not say for a moment that holiness shuts out the presence of indwelling sin. Much of what Paul says, go home and read it again, that sixth chapter of Romans. Romans. It's a little bit frightening, because he said, we cannot live in sin. We're dead to sin, and yet all of us know failure. So don't say that holiness shuts out the presence of indwelling sin. No, far from it. It's the greatest misery of a man who seeks to be holy that the closer he gets to God and the cleaner his life becomes, the more conscious he becomes of sin within. Paul says this very much at the end of chapter 7 of Romans. The good that I want to do when I want to do it, I find evil is there with me. Do you ever find that? you want to avoid a particular sin and you find yourself almost running into it. But he said, I find this law when I want to do good, there is evil. It's rather like being chained to a body that's dead. How can I get rid of this body? I thank God through Jesus Christ. How wonderful. Neither let us say that holiness comes to ripeness or perfection all at once. Mike's only been working on it for a few years. I've been working on it for a good deal longer. There's one or two of you here who've been working on it longer than that. Hands up anyone? No, 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 no. It doesn't come with ripeness of yours. In fact, let me comfort you. You and I will never, 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 never reach perfect holiness until we see him face to face. And John the Apostle says, On that day when I see him, I shall be like him, for I shall see him as he is. On the flight deck of an airline in British Airways, co-pilots should have dimple tins and f- flat foreheads now dimple chins because part of the pre-takeoff check every single time you went to get airborne wherever you were going was uh, one in the checklist the captain would ask his co-pilot a, a technical question to get you thinking in the right way the fire bell goes on number three engine at 105 knots. What are you going to do? And a good co-pilot will say, um, um, um. and then the captain will say, you do this, 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 and this. Oh, yes, now I remember. You see, a good co-pilot wants to boost his captain. And I believe there's going to be a little dot of dimpled chinned and flat-forwarded people in heaven, and I'm going to be one of them. When I see Jesus, and I see what holiness really is, when I see what love is because I look at him, then I shall understand, and amazingly, I shall be like him, John says, for I shall see him as he is. Secondly, the importance of true holiness. For one thing, we must be holy because the voice of God in Scripture plainly commands it. It's not an optional extra to the Christian life. When you've done Alpha, courses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and then you reach holiness. No. Or two years after Alpha, you're going to get holiness. No. It's from day one. For the Lord says to his people, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall never enter the kingdom of God. Do you know when he said that? Sermon on the Mount. You've only got six chapters into Matthew's Gospel out of 28, and Jesus said you've got to be holier than the scribes and the Pharisees. Wow. You, all of you, you've got to be holier than Mike. I won't say you've got to be holier than me because that's not very difficult. But Jesus went on to say in that same chapter be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. The word perfect there means complete in my relationship with God. Paul tells the Thessalonians, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Another word, if you like, for holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. That's what chapter 6 of Romans is all about. God has done it. Count yourselves dead. Hands up, everybody who's dead. No, 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 don't do that. We've got to count ourselves dead to sin. There's very, very, very little that a dead body can do. And it can't sin. As Peter says, as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation in every aspect of your life because it is written, be holy for I am holy But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Then we must be holy because this is the one grand end and purpose for which Christ came into the world. Do you know, he said two words. Actually, it's only one word in the Greek. Finished on the cross. And it could have been written, Father, I've made a bunch of people Perfect, like you and me, so that they can be part of our family. I've finished the work, and he died, and then on the third day, he rose again. So, it was the aim of God, it was the aim of Christ when he came into the world. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, He died for all that those who live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him who died for them and rose again. That's the key. Living for Christ. And to the Ephesians he wrote, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it that he might sanctify it and cleanse it. Are you and I being sanctified? That was Christ's aim. So if your answer to that is no or not yet, then you're denying one of the main reasons that Jesus Christ came. Next, we must be holy because this is the only proof that we love the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. This is the point at which he has spoken most plainly in the 14th and 15th chapters of John. If you love me... Keep my commandments. Lastly, we must be holy because without holiness on earth we will never be prepared for heaven. Heaven is a holy place. Remember the verse from Hebrews that I quoted right at the beginning? Without holiness... No one will see the Lord. The Lord of heaven is a holy being. The angels are holy creatures. Holiness is written on everything in heaven. The book of Revelation says expressly, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So the most pertinent question with which we end up is, are you holy? Am I holy? Listen to that question that's put to us today. Do we know anything of the holiness which the scriptures we've read have been speaking. The question is not whether we attend church regularly. The question is not whether we've been baptized or confirmed or ordained with a special ring of holiness, which most of you don't have. It's not whether we come to communion. It's not even if we call ourselves Christians The question is something more than this. Are we holy or are we not holy? The question is not whether we approve of holiness in others or whether we like to read of the lives of holy people or to talk of holy things or whether we mean to be holy and hope to be holy someday. The question asks something further. Are we holy this very day or not? And in Romans 6, please go home and read that chapter before lunch. Take your service sheets home with you so that you'll remember which chapter it is, Romans 6. Because Paul is, is saying, be what you already are in Christ. The question is put straightly and pressed strongly. It's because the scripture says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It is written, it's not my imagination, it's in the Bible, not my private opinion, it's the Word of God. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. How can I be holy? Bishop J.C. Ryle wrote this. Do you want to attain holiness? Do you feel this day a real hearty desire to be holy? Would you be partaker of the divine nature? Then go to Christ. Ryle said, wait for nothing, wait for nobody. Do not think to delay until you feel ready for holiness. Go and say to him, in the words of the beautiful hymn written by Augustus, Topladed two hundred plus years ago, not the labour of my hands can fulfil thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know, could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save. And thou alone, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked came to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. Would you continue to be holy and abide in Christ? Remain in me, Jesus said, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Remain in Christ. Let's pray. Father, every one of us here this morning would say we love you. We come here to worship you. We love the fellowship of God's people. We love your word. But we know that so often we're failures. Help us not to look at the dregs of our life, but at the cross of Jesus and find your righteousness becoming in our lives so that one day when we see you, we shall be like you. Thank you for that, Father.